0: good morning thanks to all the musicians and singers who led us this morning Um, obviously there's a few people missing today Um, dad and vicky are i believe in houston for some grace international meetings and my uncle rick uh, who wears many around here also had to be gone this week so things are just a little different Um, if you've been around much you know that when dad is gone he usually asks me to cover for him and uh, this was one of the times that he had on the calendar for quite a while so I had a lot of advance warning Um, sometimes it doesn't work out that way but in this instance he'd given me quite a bit of notice um, just to be Completely transparent and a little vulnerable. That didn't really help <laughs> this time. Um, the, uh, the season of life that my family, my immediate, f- immediate family, finds itself in has been just unrelenting, just one thing after another. It's weird how circumstances come into our lives in waves, and sometimes the waves just don't seem to stop. <laughs> um, it's been one of those very challenging moments of life, but uh, experience has taught me that God's word um, is not just for the good days and the sunny days and the easy days but uh, it's for those challenging days and seasons of life and um, with that in mind I'm just gonna just gonna share briefly this morning where God kind of has taken me as a Been a little stressed just for lack of a better word just a little stressed by things that are out of my control i don't i don't know about how you manage things but the way i'm wired i like to make everything calm and peaceful around me as much as possible Um, whether it's at home or at work or just in my circle of friends i try and bring some order when there's chaos Sometimes that just doesn't work, and uh, circumstances are just too big, and we just don't have the ability to bring order into the chaos, and so you just have to ride it out. Luckily, we don't ride out those seasons alone. I'm going to begin this morning with a question. You don't have to answer out loud, you don't have to raise your hand. It's just something you can internalize a little bit. But the question is this Are you tired? Are you tired? And I'm not asking if you're gonna fall asleep while I'm speaking this morning, because uh, if you do that, we, it just happens sometimes, and nobody here is going to judge you for it. Um, I was thinking about it. Like, <laughs> I for so many reasons, but he used to sit right there and I'd speak, and from behind, I wonder if you thought he was praying because he was a good guy, because I could see him sleeping, and. Uh, wake up and say amen. It, uh, you know, but just this question, are you tired? And perhaps maybe today, today I'm physically tired. Maybe you've had a long night or a long week or many long days and for one reason or another you just found sleep difficult. And so I can probably safely assume that there are Somebody else in the building, other than me today, that might feel a little physically exhausted or weary. Maybe some of you are emotionally fatigued, tired of worrying and being anxious and being afraid, and all the obsessive thoughts that come when we are allowing ourselves to be overwhelmed with anxiety, thinking about all the bad things that may happen or. Maybe it's just this hopeful thing that something good is coming, but it just never seems to get there. And all of a sudden we find ourselves obsessing about when's it going to happen. Maybe we are relationally wearied. I don't know if you ever have had that happen. Usually that happens around the holidays. We spend too much time with our families and we get relationally weary um, because we argue so much. But uh, maybe uh, difficulty with workers or neighbors or family members, hopefully not any church members. Maybe it's a spouse or parent, child. Maybe you came here just fine this morning and you're thinking, "Thanks, dude. Um, I was fresh until you started this, and now I feel really tired." But uh, what about being spiritually drained? Um, maybe just tired of struggles spiritually with certain issues in life, things that you wish you didn't do, that you find yourself doing, or things that you wish you could do better at and you're just struggling. And maybe just in the area of faith, you find yourself growing weary. And so whether this morning, whether you might be physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, spiritually, weary, tired, exhausted, Um, understand that that is a struggle for most of us, if not all of us, at different moments of life. We all have so many things to juggle. In every area of life, whether it's your work life or your family life, your church life, even your hobbies all of a sudden, you can find yourself juggling so many things in each area of life. And it's so hard to keep everything up in the air, right, and not let something fall And then the world comes in and says, hey, how about a pandemic, juggle that. See how that goes, right? And everything just drops, but uh, we're trying to pick it up as best as we can. But what if I told you this morning that in the middle of all of that, all the things that we juggle, that rest is not just possible, but that rest is God's desire for you and for me. What if that is really true? He desires that we be at rest. And so I would invite anybody today that's in one of those moments of life where you just feel a little weary for one reason or another. And even those of you that came in here feeling pretty fresh and good, know that your season's coming, right? Um, I invite you, anybody who's tired, to look at a couple stories with me this morning. I'm gonna, I'm going to look at this first story is in Mark chapter 2 toward the end. It's in verse 23 is where it starts. And then we'll just kind of read a second story and that will take us to Mark chapter 3 verse 6. This story, both of them are going to be familiar to you. Starting in chapter 2 of Mark the 23rd verse, it says on the Sabbath he of course being Jesus. So Jesus is going through the grain fields and as they made their way, his disciples began began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the priest, and ate of bread of presence which was not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Second story. Again, Jesus enters the synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with a withered hand, Come here. Very strange. I don't know what in these two stories is worthy of plotting someone's destruction. But the Pharisees leave these situations and begin just that, plotting to destroy him. Notice in these two short stories with this picture of the Sabbath, we see it referred to seven times. Two very short stories, but the point is the Sabbath. Just a little bit of background here. This word in the Bible goes back to the beginning, if we go back to the creation story in Genesis, and we won't take the time this morning to go to all the different places. But in the second chapter of the Bible, we're told that the heavens and the earth are finished, and then God rests on the seventh day. It says, So God blessed the seventh day to be holy. But on it, God rested from all his work that he had done. So that rest that's described there, back at the beginning in Genesis, is the same word that we see coming over to Mark chapter two and three. This word "sath." If we think about it, why would God in Genesis tell us that He rested? I don't think He needed a nap. I don't think He ever gets tired. He's all-powerful. It's not as if he takes naps and takes time off from upholding all things in the universe. If he ever did, that'd be it, right? Like if God wasn't upholding all things. But I want to see this pattern. If we go to the next book of the Bible, we move on from Genesis and we move into Exodus. And I didn't have slides for all these today, but if you want to write this down, it's Exodus chapter 20, and it's specifically verses 8 through 11. It's interesting here, out of all the Ten Commandments, only one starts with the word remember. God directs their attention and our attention, he directs it back to Genesis, and he says this, he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Just set it apart. So six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. It's a day of rest, and it's a day of rest unto the Lord your God. On it, you shall do no, or shall do no any work, for in six days the Lord made and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. And so God's saying to us, I created you not just to work. I mean, yes, we do work we've been called to certain purposes and things and activities that we're supposed to be doing but he says I also created you for rest strange thing to think about if we think about rest and we think about sleep and you ask the question well why did God make us that way that we require sleep you sleep for if you're an average person you sleep for about a third of your life when I was about 14, I went and lived with my grandma, Grandpa Giles for a while, freshman year. And if you're a 14-year-old, the last thing you want to do is wake up early in the morning. But my grandpa, I mean, he didn't sleep a third of his life. He slept just enough. And that was true all the way to the very last breath. I mean, he just didn't like to sleep very much because he thought he was going to be missing some work he needed to do. But when I lived there as a teenager, Every morning, I would hear him coming up the steps, and then he would come in my door, and he would quote scripture to me. About 5.30, 6 a.m., and he would say, Arise, O oh sluggard. <laughs> that was my alarm clock. I didn't be awake that early. School didn't start till like 7.30. But he just thought it was pointless to be laying around sleeping. But on average, a third of our lives is spent just lying around, being kind of useless, at least in terms of productivity. God didn't have to do that. I mean, think about all that we could do, like accomplish, even experience and enjoy if we never required sleep. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, it sounds cool. So obviously there's a reason that we need sleep, and God designed us to rest and need to just take a nap once in a while. I think when we look at the Bible, what we see is the primary reason that we are not God. We're not all powerful. We're not self sufficient. I love how John Piper describes this. I'm going to quote him a couple times today. But often, when I get myself in trouble, he's just one, been one of those pastors I've looked to for 25 years, and he seems to always have some wisdom from Scripture. I love his ideas on sleep. Sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God. Once a day, God sends us to bed like patients with a sickness. That sickness is a chronic tendency to think that we are in control and that our work is indispensable. To cure us of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. How humiliating to the self-made corporate executive that he or she has to give up control and be a limp infant every day day right from the very beginning of creation from if we go back and God's showing us what it is to rest and then we start seeing the commandments that he gives to rest and then the way he created us to sleep we see that God's creating a principle and he's he's weaving into our fabric the need to learn to rest if you look at the command, he says, I want you to rest from your work on a weekly basis. But think of the other ways that we are given rest by the Lord. I'm going to rattle off some biblical addresses here and mention different ways that God gives us rest. And you can write these down if you want and look at them later. But in 1 John chapter 4, the 18th verse tells us that God desires that you experience rest from fear. And this shows up all over Scripture, by the way. This is just one location. God desires that you experience rest from fear. In Matthew chapter 6, you know, Jesus teaching about worry. You have little faith. And he goes on and begins to teach, why are you worrying about everything? Just look at the birds, right? He's teaching that we can rest from all that anxiety to be free of worry just take care of you. know what your needs are. The Lord will take care of you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we're supposed to pray about anything but pray about everything. Just be free, like from all anxiety. Romans chapter 6, verse 18, teaches us that God wants us to be able to rest from sin. The whole book of Galatians, really, is God saying, I want you to rest from all effort. Save yourself. Make you think right by yourself. More than all that, God desires you experience rest from all the weird ways we try and satisfy ourselves in this world, all the endless pursuits, trying to find something that will bring lasting joy and happiness apart from Him. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. That says, You don't have to keep drinking water from broken systems that don't hold water when I will come. Satisfy your soul, and we can keep going on and on about this scripture after scrip- scripture that God desires you to enjoy rest. He, enjo- he He wants you to enjoy rest from the need to control everything around you, particularly in the midst of challenges. This is something I've been dealing with lately. Psalm chapter or Psalm one sixteen verse seven. Return, oh my soul, to your rest. Sometimes we think that uh, if we can just make everything right in our world, then we could rest. Never works, right? And this all brings us back to these two stories that we read from Mark this morning. With all this background that we just kind of sped through here about God's design and desire for us to experience rest. I want to go back to these stories. We'll start with the one where Jesus and his disciples are hungry and they pluck some heads of grain just for something to eat. Some Pharisees are following them, and as soon as the disciples take out their hand to pluck the grain, the Pharisees say, hey, why are you doing that? You're breaking the law. That's against the Sabbath. That's not lawful today. We need to get into the minds of these guys just a little bit. Remember, these are religious students and teachers, and they're defenders of God's law. And they want to apply God's law every tiny little detail to every area of life. And they're believing that in doing so, they're going to earn favor with God. And they are what we would call very legalistic. And they think that their relationship with God being good with God, being right with God, consists of making sure you did everything right. And so they're meticulous about everything that they need to do, and then they want to apply that same standard to everyone else they encounter. In response to this, Jesus says, Okay, let me tell you a story. Let's look back at the story of David when he was hungry, and he went and ate a piece of bread that was really supposed to be just for the priest. But he went and did it because he's hungry, and he gave it to his men. And he says to them, basically, you guys are missing the whole point of the law. And so Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is saying to them, the commands that God gives are for your good. The commands that God gives are not to make you miserable. They had it completely upside down. Jesus says, I know this is the case because I'm the one who gave the command. He says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. What a massive statement for Jesus to make. Lord of the Sabbath, like I'm in charge of Sabbath day. Statements like this are why they went out and plotted to destroy him. Jesus says, I'm the author of rest, I'm the ruler and the lord of rest. Very revolutionary for the Pharisees to hear. Peace and rest are found in the Lord even in the midst of struggle. If that weren't true, it would just be kind of hopeless, right? Trying to get it all right all the time, trying to make everything work out just the way we planned. All it does is create endless worry and anxiety and stress and fear that something's going to go wrong this is a revolutionary truth that jesus was teaching them and it's still revolutionary for us i mean what if rest is not found in getting everything right but it's just found in saying lord i trust you with everything i'm going to get to a verse that basically states this in a few minutes but it's been a long time since i was a youth pastor i mean a really long time That's uh Teenagers don't want to hang out with me anymore. I'm really old and not cool. But uh, you know, twenty some years ago, we had a youth group out in Colorado with musicians everywhere. I mean, it seemed like every kid in the youth group could play multiple instruments and sing, and it was nice. The music stuff was great, but I couldn't stand it when they would start speaking between songs. No, they're they to do it again, and they'd say something just ridiculous and so i'd have to have meetings with the whole team all the time say please don't talk <laughs> just sing the song because <laughs> i didn't want it to come up and correct what they were saying but one of the nights one of the one of the kids i mean they're well-intentioned god-loving kids but you know just invite you tonight to do what we're supposed to do just leave all your thoughts and your cares outside and we're just here just to focus on the lord And it's like no 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 that's not what worship's about we come to the lord with everything that we are and we say lord here it is give it to you and i trust you with all of it otherwise you know if you leave it all outside you just go back outside and pick it up and think it's yours to carry again later that's not worship at all that's just stupidity spiritually but uh we we fall into that same trap even as adults sometimes we come and we pray real fast or we come and smile at everybody at church and Fist bump, whatever we do, and then we go back out and try and carry our stuff around. That is not what God has designed for his people at all. Rest is found in saying, Lord, I trust you with everything. Let yeah, me put another picture in your mind. It comes from another psalm, Psalm 131. Verses 1 and 2 say, "O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a wean child with its mother, like a wean child is my soul within me. Beautiful picture here. It's a picture of a very content baby just at rest in the arms of their mother, not worried about anything, just content, feeling secure. And that's the kind of calm that God desires for you and me in the middle of it all. Quiet rest from worry and whatever else. It's important to understand. I'm sure you might be thinking, but I'm not sleeping through all these things that come at me in life. I have to work, and I actually have to engage with people, relationships. I actually have to be engaged in the struggle. I have to work hard to do things. God commands us to do yes to all of these things. But the point is that rest and calm and quiet in the middle of all these things only happens if you say, Lord, I trust you with all of it. Mark 2 shows us that we can rest in his lordship over everything. He is Lord in Scripture as well. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over sickness. He's Lord over suffering, Lord over disease. He's Lord over leprosy, Lord over paralysis. He's Lord over sin. Here he's Lord over This makes sense. That's what we see throughout Think about Psalm 121. This is a psalmist that's at a point in life where he's troubled and he's overwhelmed by everything that's coming at him in the world, and he writes these words. He says, In the midst of all this, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved, he who keeps you will not slumber. Midst all of the turmoil in the world, the Lord who never sleeps nor slumbers is in control of it all. Psalm 46 talks about the earth giving way and the mountains trembling and the waters roaring and foaming. And then in the middle of it all, verse 10 says, be still and know that I'm God. Isaiah 30, 15, in the midst of turmoil, God says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. There's this parallel here, returning and rest and quietness and trust. The understanding here is our rest is completely attached and intertwined with our ability just to trust God. We trust God and we find rest. Isaiah forty, thirty and thirty-one, very familiar verses. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. And this is so interesting because in the middle of exhaustion, the key to being strong and running without weariness and flying like eagles and walking and not being faint is to wait. To wait upon the Lord. One commentator says that the better translation for this is to rest trustfully in the Lord. Trust that while you're waiting that He is working, that He is good, and that He can always be trusted. The key to rest is realizing He is in charge of it all. He's sovereign over it all. Psalm one twenty-seven two says, God gives His beloved sleep. Why because they trust him. I'm going to quote John Piper one more time this morning. He says that sleep is a parable that God is God, and we are mere men. God handles the world quite nicely while a hemisphere sleeps. Sleep is like a broken record that comes around with the same message every day. Man is not sovereign, man is not sovereign, man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Do not let the lesson be lost on you. God wants to be trusted as the great worker who never tires and never sleeps. This is one of my favorite parts of this. God is not nearly so impressed with our late nights and our early mornings as he is with the peaceful trust that casts all anxieties on him and then goes to sleep. Hmm. Mark 2 also shows us how we can rest in His love for us. We can rest because He is the Lord and He's in control of it all, but we can also rest because He loves us. Part of the beauty here in Mark chapter 2 is just Jesus' simple concern that His disciples, His friends, would have food when they're hungry, even if it's the Sabbath. You see it more so in the story of the second man who has the withered hand. And we don't know really... Any details beyond that, like how profoundly that changed that man's world afterward. But the Pharisees, they didn't care about either. They didn't care about the hunger, the hunger of the disciples. And they didn't care really about this man's condition because of their hardness of heart. And Jesus was filled with anger and grieved at the condition of their hearts. They're so concerned about getting all the rules right everything, it is to love one another love other people you can rest on this if, if you believe the word of God you can rest on this as rock solid that the one who is Lord over all of it loves you this is the gospel that's the great news of the gospel Psalm 116 verses 5 through 9 Psalm 116 verses 5 through 9 say gracious is the Lord and righteous our God is merciful the Lord preserves the simple when I was brought low he saved me return O my soul to your rest That's a picture here of salvation why it says for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you for you have delivered my soul from death my eyes from tears my feet from stumbling and I will walk before Lord in the land of living we've even been given rest from eternal death there is nothing beyond God's power to give us rest finally Mark 2 shows us that we can rest because of Jesus life in you rest that he's within you I'm just going to summarize it with one verse that comes from Galatians chapter 2 Galatians chapter two verse twenty is really I think what the essence of the Christian life. He says, "I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me." We see the connection here for this supernatural rest we find in this verse. Jesus Christ, the one who loves us so much that he gave his life for us, actually lives in us. He dwells with his people. No matter what you find yourself juggling at this point of life or whatever the next season of life might bring you, he's the one helping you hold it all together helping you giving you everything that you need scripture teaches when we are weak he shows himself strong when we're confused he's the one who gives us wisdom when we're afraid he gives us courage when we're alone we have his presence saying i'll never leave you i'll never forsake you when we're anxious we cast it all on him and trust it all to him and he gives us peace In the Christian life, as we live it, we realize that in this very wearying world, we have rest because Jesus is in us. If you jump over to one of the other Gospels and you look at Matthew and you kind of try and line up the timeline of when the events of Mark 2 happened, right before the stories of the disciples picking grain on the Sabbath and Jesus healing the man with the withered hand, Jesus said these words to the crowd. He said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. The imagery here is powerful. To people who are weary and heavy laden, he says, come under a yoke with me. The picture here is, like, two oxen. Together. Those times they would link together one strong ox with one weak ox. saying, find your strength in me. Find your wisdom in me. Find everything that you need in me, and I will give you rest. He's Lord over every area of our life, our work, our families, our church, our circle of friends, for all our relationships, our marriages, our parenting, our sickness, over every struggle and emotional problem that we have, He is Lord. And He can sleep to His beloved. He can to rest. Where our doubts, our fears, all those things try and on to us. He comes and says, "Cast your cares upon me. I care for you and he gives us rest." Peter makes that clear in First Peter five. 7. The one who is the Lord over them loves you. And he's committed to giving you everything that you need. Even at the moment where you're in the midst of a struggle, workplace, school, family, church, or whatever it is, in the middle of a conflict or tension, Jesus is right there and he's saying, You are not alone. I will give you what you need. Lord over it all, alive in you, and he loves you. I want to remind you that there's another reality revealed in Scripture, a day coming that the Scripture really describes as what we would call eternal rest for all who trust in jesus that there's this promise this day coming where there's going to be no more sin no more sorrow no more struggle no more tears where he wipes away every tear from our eyes and that is the hope that we have ultimately this is not our home we are just passing through we are sojourners here what we're called eternal rest will be ours I know that I'm brief this morning and I have no idea what time it is and I don't really care. I am going to be done. But I want to pray over all of you um, in closing this morning. So I'm going to go to prayer with just a couple questions and then we'll just pray. Do you know the Lord? Do you know Him as the one who died on the cross for your sins and is alive? And who reigns over all. The one who wants to give you rest. Do you know the Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord of rest. That wants to give rest to your soul. If the answer to that is not a resounding yes. Then I just invite you right now to pray along with me. The Lord we turn to you. We put our hope and our trust in you. Recognizing that we need you. In faith, we come to you and ask, Lord, that you forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all of our sins. Right now, if you can feel that where you're sitting, everything can be changed, and you can know the Lord of peace and the Lord of rest, and he will be with you and in you and will sustain you in all things. For those who I've prayed that prayer before, and you know the Lord, and you know He's within you. Lord, we pray for rest for our souls. Amidst all the things that come at us in the world, we are not alone. We are not on our own to figure it out. And so, Lord, as an act of worship, we bring it all to you, and we lay it at your feet and say, Lord, we trust you with everything. We cast our cares upon you freely don't pick them back up and take them with us when we leave this place this morning. Lord, we cast it all before you and say, Lord, have your way in our lives, in every detail of our lives. We find rest and peace when we say, Lord, we know we're not meant to carry it all, but that, Lord, you strengthen us and empower us each day. And you give us mercy that's new every morning for the day that you called us to walk in and live in so that we can do it at peace and at rest in our hearts. Therefore, being able to live in a way that honors and glorifies you. I pray this will be true of all of us in this room this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone have a great day and a good week. Dad will be back here next week and it won't be this brief.